You are listening to the Book Perspective Podcast, a podcast for all types of books. And even though we read all types of books across all different types of genres, we want to give a disclaimer. Many of our books and a lot of our content sometimes is intended for mature audiences. And we don't believe in censorship, but we do want our listeners to have the opportunity to decide if our episode or podcast is good for them. So with that, let's get into the episode. Hey, it's Dominice and Keely, and you are listening to Booktrospective, and this week we are doing Their Vicious Games by Joelle Wellington. Yes. Okay. <laughs> That's how all the beginning of our podcast starts. <laughs> it's me like, is that the name of the... Pro- I know the title. Okay. Okay. But, okay, it hasn't been a whole week since I've seen Keely, but how has your weekend been? <laughs> it's been all right, I guess. Had two migraine days in a row, yeah. so... I slept like 16 hours straight. I could use 16 hours. I did pop like two melatonins too because I was like, I'm just going to sleep this thing out. But I feel so much better now. (laughs) I'm glad. Uh, That's, I'm so thankful I don't get those, but I can, I can feel your pain. (laughs) I don't know. What did I do? Well, see, like we got that weird snow out of nowhere and I'm glad that's gone, but that was so unnecessary I went to the all-star like dunk competition, whatever on Saturday. That was okay. That was fun. It was like a weird setup because it was in Lucas Oil. So it's like not (laughs) set up like a basketball, Mm -hmm. but they have like the LED court. We saw some celebrities. So that was cool. Sunday, I didn't have anything to do, which was so, I don't think I even left the house on Sunday. And I couldn't tell you the last time I didn't leave the house (laughs) on a day. So that was nice. And then Monday, so they've been doing like, Okay, I didn't know what they were doing. There have been these people in my neighborhood for like a month, like working on stuff. So Friday, they were like, oh, hey, we're working on the gas line. I'm like, first of all, don't you think like, you should tell people? Like, right. Work on, we're like, they're like replacing it. They already have been digging like in everyone's yards, which is annoying. So then they tell Josh like, okay, well, we might have to come in your house. Then Monday, they just show up and they're like, yeah, we need to get in your basement. And they were there for five hours. And I was oh like, my gosh. what if we would, like, we just happened to be home because it was a holiday. But I'm like, what if? Like, I'm not, I don't have any free days. So I'm like, what if we wouldn't have been home? Right. And it was like five hours. Like, I was like, I'm ready to go. Like, I need to go do stuff. I didn't get to do anything. I didn't do Monday. Was that yesterday? Yes, yesterday. Because I, yeah, because they were at my house for five hours. That's frustrating. They moved the meter to like the front of the house. I don't know. But it's just like, this is why one, I'm like, you. this is why you should have said what you're doing. They've been working on it for like a month. Right. And then they had to like run the line. And I'm like, I don't see you in nobody else's house. Could they not have? pre-plan something that's with what you? i'm saying like like also like it just happened to be a holiday but i'm like what if it wasn't like if it was any other monday we would not be home right. so like what would you have done <sighs> so frustrating utilities <laughs> so that's what i've been doing i went to work today oh and i took my engagement ring and my like whatever they call it that goes around it to make it like the wedding ring to the K not thinking that it's going to be gone. They took my ring. It's gone for like three weeks or something like that. Oh Wow. I ordered like a temporary one from Amazon because I keep <laughs> feeling like I forgot something and I'm hurt about it. So that, that's so far. That's, that's my last five days since you saw me. <laughs> that's a lot, but enough about me. Um, so they're vicious games. So do you have the blurb? I do. Trying to be prepared this time. Okay. This is a long blurb, so hang in there. A 
black teen desperate to regain her Ivy League acceptance enters an elite competition only to discover the stakes aren't just high, they're deadly. In this searing thriller that's Ace of Spades meets Squid Games with a sprinkling of The Bachelor, you must work twice as hard to get half as much. Adina Walker has known this the entire time she's been on scholarship at the prestigious Edgewater Academy, the school for the rich and mostly white upper class of New England. It's why she works so hard to be perfect and above reproach. No matter what, she must force beneath the surface. Even one slip can cost you everything. And it does. One fight, one moment of lost control leaves Adina backlisted from her top choice Ivy League college and any other. Her only chance to regain the future she sacrificed everything for is the finish, a high-stakes contest sponsored by Edgewater's founding family in which, in which 12 young, ambitious women with exceptional promise are selected to compete in three mysterious events, the ride, the raid, and the royale. The winner will be granted entry into the fold of the Remington family whose wealth and power can open any door. But when she arrives to the finish, Adina quickly gets the feeling that something isn't quite right with both the Remingtons and her comp competition. And soon it becomes clear that this larger-than-life prize can only come at an even greater cost because the finished stakes aren't just make or break, they're life and death. Adina knows the deck is stacked against her. It always has been. So maybe the only way to survive their vicious games is for her to change the rules. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you could describe this book in one word, how would you describe it? Mm. I would say I'm trying not to use vicious. See, I, I didn't I forgot about the one word, so yeah, I, I um competitive okay i was gonna say gauntlet which is yeah yeah okay well yeah we covered everything okay <laughs> so if you have not read this book and you do not want to be spoiled this is your notice to pause and come back later um otherwise we are going to go ahead and get started so this is just a single pov i feel like we haven't done yes. just like one person main character in a while <laughs> Um, so we open up with Adina and she is at graduation and she, her mom comes up and hugs her and she is basically like, yeah, this is the end of the end. Basically, she says to us that she's no longer going to Yale and her accept her acceptance there has been rescinded. So we learn that she lives in Michigan and attended an elite school, which is called the Edgewater Academy. And she basically, like, growing up, looked at that school as, like, royalty and, like, the people that go there, but it's just full of ugliness. And her friend Tony comes up to her graduation, she's also graduating, and hugs her, saying that we made it. She tells us that Tony thinks it's her fault that Adina basically isn't going to yell now, but Adina knows, like, it's her, only her fault, and that her parents standing with the school, because they're employees, is the only reason that she wasn't expelled from her high school as well. And she says she also has lost most of her friends because of whatever this incident occurred um, was. She asked Tony if she's going to the Remington luncheon. 
there are um, basically both of their families were supposed to have lunch together. But since the whole incident, her family and Tony's family are also kind of distanced. Tony says um, that she should just come to lunch with her and ask the Remingtons to like support Adina basically to help her get back into college. But she won't go um, to the lunch, but I guess there's a bonfire later that evening. So she agrees to go to the bonfire with Tony. Both Adina and Tony are black. Um, but Tony's parents are like, they're, so they're D9, like fraternity sorority, um, involved. I want to say they're maybe a little more well off than Adina's parents. Adina considers her family to be like poor, considers them to be the help. So she agrees to go to the bonfire, even though she knows she'll be unwelcomed and unwanted. And that night they're getting dressed and ready to go. And Tony is like planning on having sex with some boy at this party. Um, she's like very determined to lose her virginity at this <laughs> to, at this point. But as they're leaving, Adina's mom tells her that she doesn't have anything to prove to anyone. And as she's like heading back into like Edgewater, we learn that she lives in like the suburbs of that area and Edgewater is like the affluent area. Um, so she's one of the suburb kids. So they reach the party and when they get there, Tony's twin brother, Charles is there. They are, um, we learned that they're actually both biracial, um, but I don't think they really like look much mm-hmm. alike. They're just happy to be twins. And they also don't really socialize with each other in public. They're kind of distanced. One, I think they always kind of were, but then when whatever happened with Adina happened, Tony obviously stuck with her friend's side and Charles, because he didn't want to be a social pariah, seems like he's stuck with everyone else. So they're kind of distanced. Adina sees her number one enemy when they get there, and that is Esme. And she just thinks to herself that she knows all of Esme's secrets, and we learn that they used to be friends. She also sees Pierce Remington in the car with Charles. So Charles, again, is Tony's brother. And Pierce is the youngest son of the Remington, Remington family, which they basically are the ones who own Edgewater Academy and, like, this whole city. And, like, they run the show, basically. She tells us that the only reason that she was even going to Edgewater was because she was on a Remington scholarship. And she basically is hoping that she can talk to Pierce and get another endorsement from the Remingtons because they are basically, you know, it's all about who you know. They're able to get them. If, if they want her to go to Yale, she'll go to Yale. <laughs> so she sees him talking, kind of looking like he's fighting with his girlfriend. And her name is... Pencephalia. Oh my gosh. I writing these notes now. I'm not, I wrote pen. I'm going to call her pen and they call her pen too, because I'm, but they also call her Pencephalia like a million times. What does that mean? That has to mean something. Like, what is that? What is that? It has to mean something or be something or like, that is just not, that's probably nothing comes up. Okay. Um, (laughs) I don't know. I probably spelled it wrong or said it wrong. Um, that's just such a weird name. Like it has to mean something or like, like, but nothing pops up. Okay. Well, if anybody knows, (laughs) I just feel like that is entirely too distinctive of a name not to mean something. Right. But continuing. So that is Pierce's girlfriend and they're having like a little spat. Um, so Pierce walks off like into the woods. And so Adina's like, okay, this is my chance. I'm going to follow him. And she's basically telling us. She's starting to get into what happened, whatever this incident is that got her blackballed. So she's like, she broke the rules that basically, you know, the rules that apply to her because she's the poor black kid and don't apply to others because they're the rich white kids. So rule number one, wealth is power and she doesn't have any wealth. So (laughs) there's that. Rule number two, knowledge is also power, which she does have, 
but she misused it basically. So she chose not to know when to keep her mouth closed. And Esme has basically reminded her of that every day since whatever this incident was. So when she was friends with Esme, she basically kind of had to like stay in her place because Esme wanted control. And back in March, because I'm assuming it's May time now, uh, she actually, well, actually she got into Yale in December, like early acceptance or whatever. But back in March is kind of when things started to go sideways. Basically, Esme was kind of mad that she outshined her. Esme applied to Yale. She was waitlisted, I believe, even though she got into other schools. Also, Esme Rich, she can probably do whatever she wants. But it's just the simple fact that, and it wasn't even that Adina was being like, braggy about it it's just the simple fact that this girl that she looked down upon as like yeah you're good enough to be like in my friend group but that's because like I choose to allow you but you're really worthless so like the audacity of you to like get into Yale and I got waitlisted um basically really just pissed Esme off so then she basically started to um like shun her and she also started to pick on her friend Tony so she started to pick on Tony because Tony never really cared about any of the like Ivy League schools she wanted to go to I'm not gonna even I'm not gonna pretend like I know I I, I it's another school it's not very <laughs> important but whatever school that Tony wanted to go to she really didn't care about it um but then also Esme started hooking up with Charles to like get information on Tony um and isolate her as well so then she started like embarrassing Adina in front of like their friends, just like talking about how like poor she was and like suburb kid and like an outsider talking, like asking like how much do your parents make? Or like basically like she should be glad or she shouldn't want to go to Yale because her parents can't afford it. Like stuff like that, just like rude, ridiculous stuff. And Adina started fighting back, which was her first mistake. And that's really when she started picking on Tony because she was like, okay, like I can't get to Adina that way anymore. So I'm gonna pick on Tony. And she was trying to like separate them. Like she would stop inviting Adina places, but would like invite Tony. And so then at one point in time, Adina's like, okay, why Tony, why would you go out to lunch with them? And she's like, oh, Esme said you were sick. Like, she was pitting them against each other. So when they realized that out, Tony started like, you know, sticking with Adina more. And so then they both got picked on. So they were throwing food at them and spreading stories about them. And so one day in the bathroom, this is back in March, Esme cornered Tony and Adina because a rumor was going around that Esme's family was broke and that they were, her parents were going to go to jail for embezzlement or something like that. And it actually was Adina that, started the rumor so tony kind of told her that in confidence and adina spread the rumor uh so esme thinks it's just tony and so she starts to attack her in the bathroom and basically esme and adina get in a fight but esme is rich and white and adina's poor and black and that was all she wrote basically so she lost esme pretty much made sure that she lost everything that she had worked for but because her parents again worked at Edgewood, Adina wasn't kicked out. She was able to graduate. So she's thinking about all this. She's heading into the trees to find Pierce and like she's focused on what she's telling us. So he pops out and kind of scares her. And he says, I recognize you from somewhere. And she's like, oh, my mom's one of the professors. He's like, no, I saw your picture on the <laughs> diversity page. <laughs> yeah, you saw oh, thanks. one of the three black people that go to this school. You saw me on the diversity page. <laughs> Um, and she's like, ouch. And she thinks to herself, like, that's disappointing. And she's like, no, um, she's the girl. She says, no, I'm the girl that Esme harasses. And Pierce says, well, Esme really says anything that's not bullshit. Like, so basically he doesn't care what Esme has to say. 
because he knows that she's always picking on people. But he tells her, I'm just kidding. Like, I actually do remember you. He says, like, in the eighth grade, I guess she got a nosebleed. And since he is the only one who knew where the infirmary was because he was literally born at the school, he had walked her down to the infirmary because of her her nosebleed. He tells her that he's happy to be leaving, like graduating. And she says, yeah, you're going to Harvard, right? And basically he had no choice but to go to Harvard. That's what Remington's do. They go to Harvard. And he says, yeah, we all pretty much do that, um, which we'll learn like shortly that there is one that did not go to Harvard. And he says he's happy like to kind of have a break from everyone, um, even his girlfriend, because Penn did not get into Harvard. Um, She's going to Dartmouth. Mm-hmm. which is very close to Harvard, but it's not the same school, obviously. And Adina thinks it's interesting, like, because if he wanted her to go to Harvard, she would go to Harvard. Right. Also, Penn also comes from a rich family. Like, if they wanted her to go to Harvard, she would go to Harvard. So Penn thinks that, I mean, Adina thinks that's interesting. So Adina's also um, like, well, I mean, you guys are only going to be like 50 miles away. And he's like, oh, I don't know how many miles it is. Like, surely you know how many Like, if you cared about how far your girlfriend right. was going to be, you would know. So he asks, like, where are you going? And she says, nowhere. And he looks confused and says, like, I got into Yale early decision in December, but because of the fight with Esme, all of my admissions got rescinded. And he says, Esme is such a pretentious snob for doing that. And she's like, that's funny because, like, you're literally in the same tax bracket as her. So (laughs) I found that hilarious. (laughs) That is hilarious. (laughs) Um, And he's like, you've got a smart mouth. And that makes me think of Without a Paddle when the guy was like, have you ever seen Without a Paddle? I have not. It's literally the funniest movie. He's like, you got a part of mouth. (laughs) And I laugh so hard. You have to watch it. It's literally the funniest movie. Anywho. So they, um, like, they have, like, this cute little moment. And then they start making out, basically. And she hears something as this is going on. And she hears Esme, like, basically, like, talking to Tony, like, talking trash. So she's like, crap, like, I'm trying to get Pierce to, like, be on my side. But I gotta go help Tony out. And she, like, tries to drag her out a little bit. But she ends up going to help Tony. So Esme basically um, is telling Tony, like, like, get away. Like, why are you here? Like, you feel like you just can come around because your brother's here. Your brother doesn't always get a plus one just because, like, you're his twin or whatever. And... So Adina's like, I gotta go. Like, kisses Pierce by. Um, and he tells her, it sucks that they won't get that Harvard-Yale rivalry. So when she gets to Tony, Charles is, like, standing in the middle of Tony and Esme, like, trying to stop him. And Esme calls her and Adina trash and says, um, basically, like, she did Adina a favor because her parents couldn't afford Yale. Like, basically the same stuff she's been saying. And Adina tells her, you should be more worried about when the feds show up to your house because your parents won't survive jail. and Esme doesn't even say anything and she just like walks away defeated so Adina is like you know like let's go whatever but Pierce comes out and he's like clapping like good job like no one makes Esme shut up and then Pierce's older brother Graham comes out also and we learn that he's like the disappointment of the Remington family he's the black sheep so he did not go to Harvard he went to Yale like oh my god such a disappointment right (laughs) but he yeah like he's the older brother and he Pierce is named after his dad so his dad even like didn't name him after him he doesn't have like any of the like luxuries of like being a Remington like like he's not even like physically built like them like he looks different um, so he's kind of the black sheep. 
So Pierce asks, Adina, do you think that Esme is untouchable? And Adina says somewhat, she was like, you know, life's a competition and basically we're not on the same playing field because Esme has money. And Pierce is like, well, you guys could be. And Graham's like, don't like stop Pierce. Don't do that. He's like, Adina's a good girl. And this is where we learn about the finish. So the finish is a game for girls that basically gives them access to wealth from the Rem- the Remingtons. And that is, Adina already know- knew about this whole thing and that's why she's here and that's what she wants. And she's like, I accept, like, I don't want to do it. And he says like, you can't back out. Like if you accept it, but then all of a sudden Penn gets out of the car and asks like, what's going on? So they kind of go home. That's the end of that night. And Tony ends up sleeping over at Adina's and they wake up the next morning and Adina has a package and it's a Sunday. So it's really weird. And it's a brown package with a white envelope on top. And she knows that this is from the finish. So there's a letter and the letter says, maybe we'll get that Harvard Yale rivalry after all, or maybe I'll convince you Harvard is a better option. Affectionately, Pierce Maxwell Remington, the fourth. And inside of the brown package, there's a wood a wooden box. And then there's another card that says, welcome to the finish. And in the box, there's a paper that says like basically like the history. So the finish was started by one of the female Remingtons to basically give females a chance to like have access because we know the patriarchy, blah, 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 blah. Um, <laughs> so it's a two week program and it tests 12 girls on their initiative. Um, and like basically like, physical like is everything it tests all your abilities and it provides financial and mental support she needs to arrive sunday june 3rd at noon at the remington estate so she also learns that there's going to be two cocktail parties and a party at the end so she packs light she like doesn't feel like she really needs like you know nice stuff for this and she and her parents drive and you know they're headed to the remington estate so she doesn't let her parents come in she's like i'm an adult you don't have to like you know tuck me in i'm good <laughs> and we learned that they also cannot have their phones i'm like immediately no yeah i'm not you. doing anything that i can't have my phone at like i'm not doing it so when she gets there she sees an asian girl on her way in as well and she's happy to know that she's not the only non-white person there so though they go in at the same time and they meet dr remington who will also learn her first name is layton and she introduces herself as dr remington she says i'm the game's mistress and they learn that they're actually the last two to show up We learn that the other girl's name is Saint, and because they're the last two there, they'll be rooming together. Saint tells Adina that she's from Beijing, but she went to boarding, um, and she was sent to boarding school, but she also took classes at Oxford with Graham. So that's how she kind of got introduced to their whole family. So they go up to their room. They have some, like, uniform that they have to put on, and then they have to be in the common room at 1 o'clock and bring their phones. So... She does all that. They get down to the common room and the first person she sees is Penn Cephalia. She sees Penn there and she's like, why would Penn be at the finish? Like, what do you have to prove? And of course, who else is there? Esme and then her like henchman Hawthorne, basically. Hawthorne is Esme's like best friend that doesn't go anywhere without her. So Penn also calls Dr. Remington Layton or Aunt Layton. So this is like all the girls start referring to Dr. Remington as Aunt Layton. Also, because Penn's been around the family her entire life, she knows all these people. So we learn a little bit about the finish. So the finish was established by Matilda Remington, however long ago, 100 years ago. And Dr. Remington, or Aunt Layton, won the finish. So she was not a Remington by birth. She won her finish and married Pierce's uncle. And we learned that there will be three events again. So there's the ride, the raid, and the royale. There also is what they call a culling after each event. Um, And so Dr. Remington, we learned, is a trained psychiatrist. And she says that she'll be there for them to talk because they'll be under so much pressure. 
during these games and they'll probably want someone to talk to. So then she's like, okay, I need your phones. And so everyone starts putting their phones in and Adina's the last one to give her phone over. They also learn that they'll have a curfew. Like, why would I sign up for this? This Mm -hmm. sucks. And Saint says, like, let's go look around. And as soon as, like, she does, Esme starts gossiping. Like, she already is like, okay, like, I need to get all these girls under my, like, feather, like, you know. And so all she gets all the girls, like, that she doesn't know. All these girls are not from their school. Like, only Esme, Hawthorne, and Penn are from the same school as Adina. And all the other ones are from other places. So she starts gossiping about Adina. And so Saint tells her that she... It really doesn't have to be there. So basically Saint comes for money also. Um, and that she doesn't like giving over her phone, but she thought that this would be more about academics and it doesn't seem like that's what the finish is going to be about. So that first night they start getting ready and <laughs> Esme is like, basically like, who did you give a blowjob to so that you could get here, Adina? <laughs> like, please die. <laughs> you suck so bad. And Penn, like, it's really weird because she goes into, like, the dining room, whatever. And Penn's like, oh, hey, Adina. Like, they're best friends. And she's like, we've gone to school together probably their entire lives. And you've never spoken to me. Like, and now all of a sudden she, like, wants to be friends. But then Penn also tells Esme, like, quit being nasty. And she tells Adina that she looks very pretty that night. But Adina's already stressed out because, like, all the girls are getting, like, these are rich girls. She's probably the poorest girl that's there and they're like getting dressed and she is already wearing like one of her nicest outfits that she planned to wear for like one of the events because she really didn't come prepared like that. And so she feels super underdressed. Um, Saint offers to do her makeup that night as well because she can just kind of tell like that she doesn't come from like come from a well-off family and saint asks adina like why do you hold everything in that you want to say because she can tell that she wanted to say something back to esme and adina's just like i learned my lesson um and saint's like that's not going to work here like you're going to have to speak up for yourself so in the dining room when they go to sit down for dinner is the entire remington family so the father which is pierce the third and we typically just refer to him as third and then Pierce is in there and a lot of times they refer to him as fourth <laughs> and then Graham and also Aunt Layton. Uh, Pierce welcomes them all like as like an opening for the finish and they're basically supposed to use this dinner as an opportunity to like talk to the family members and start getting them. It's really like it's not like the Hunger Games. I'm trying to think of like a show that we've watched where they're like trying to schmooze them or whatever but yeah. it's like it's something like that. Like they're trying to get the family members on their side. So, um, Mr. Remington calls Saint by her real name. So Saint is not her real name. I didn't even write it down because she doesn't like to go by her real name. It's, it is like a Asian name. And, um, he asks where she's going to be going to college. And she says, Princeton. And she says she really wanted to go to uni back home, but her parents wanted her to go to a U.S. school. So that's why she's going to Princeton. Like, again, how sad I have <laughs> to go to Princeton. Like what? That's crazy. And he asks Saint about like, what her sports and extracurriculars are. And she says like Asians don't, um, or no, she doesn't like really do them. And then he tells her Asians don't count as minorities anymore. Like he's very condescending and he's, he's racist. Like he just, he's racist. And then he turns to Adina and says like, Oh, I've heard about you. And he says, um, Pierce told him that you were kind to him. And, he knows that she wants to go to Yale, but then Penn comes up talking to him and she's like, Oh, third, like rubbing on his arm. Cause like this essentially at this point is like already almost her father-in-law. Cause she's been dating Pierce forever. 
Graham comes up as well and he talks to Adina and he calls her a good girl again and says that he's kind of disappointed that she's there. And his dad is like, you need to leave. Like you're bringing the mood down, blah, blah, blah. You're making the girls uncomfortable. And, and, oh, and he tells Adina, like, I'm just like, when he tells her that she's a good girl, he's disappointed. He's like, I just mean that she has a soul. So like, obviously there's more to this finish thing. And he tells Adina that he hopes her and her soul survive. But then his dad basically drags him out, like off to another room. So, Later, she goes out on the balcony and she finds Graham out there because that must be where must be where he went. And Graham tells her that he basically like raised his brother. Like he's like he kind of gives the whole story about how he's gotten the short end of the stick and how his dad sleeps with the nannies. And he's basically spent his whole life like making sure that Pierce was everything that their dad wanted him to be since he wasn't what his dad wanted him to be. And Adina tells him, like, you're no different than the rest of them. Like, basically, like, you try to act like you're woke and, like, different and stuff like this, but you're still rich. You still, like, walk around, like, benefiting from all the luxuries. And then so Graham asks her, like, why are you even here? And she says, I'm here to get back what I earned and even the playing playing field. So Graham says he would give away every cent of the money he, he has if, like, it was up to him. But it probably won't go to him because he's the black sheep. She tells him that he wouldn't last a day without money. And then they hear a scream and she turns and she sees one of the girls, her name's Margaret, clawing at her neck and her face is like breaking out in rashes and swelling. And the girl starts convulsing and everyone is just like standing there watching her. Like nobody is moving. Nobody is freaking out. So Adina runs over there and holds her and she's like, help, help, somebody help. And no one does anything. And the girl just dies in her arms. So she's like, I'm holding a dead body. And she starts like laughing hysterically and then crying and screaming. And someone like tries to grab her and she's screaming. And Pierce comes over asking if she's okay. And she looks at third and he just like looks bored. He's like, somebody clean this up. Oh my God. Do people die in your dining room often? (laughs) And then Hawthorne and Saint come over and they just take her to her room. And Hawthorne tells her like she needs to wash her hands and get the poison off. And then we're like, poison? So... She remembers that that night Esme was wearing Chanel perfume, which is weird because Esme always wears Dior. And she remembers her being like, oh, to Margaret, like you should wear my perfume. So she's like immediately like, oh my God, Esme killed this girl. So Hawthorne is like, I don't think Esme would poison her. But Saint says Esme uses fear to garner loyalty. Saint is also saying that she did digging into the finish and basically like she knows what this is about. So basically... Anytime one of the Remington men come to fruition, (laughs) they turn 18, the finish is a little different. So they have the finish every year and every year, like they do the same stuff. But on the years that there is a Remington male that turns 18, they are there to fight to the death for that man, like to marry that man and become part of the family. Um, So they're basically there for Pierce. Yuck. Yeah. I'm like, you should have put that. You should tell me that. Like, I'd be like, I don't want him. I I don't want him. But Saint basically says, like, some people, some of them are going to do whatever they want to get what they want. And Hawthorne says the finish is about the Remington men. One of them is the prize, and the goal is to prove that you'd kill for them. This, this finish is different because, again, we have Pierce, and he just turned 18, so he's looking for a wife. And um, those are the years that they have to fight for the heir. So Leighton has killed people. Is basically what we put two and two together for because... She came from a poor, like nothing family. I think her parents worked on the Remington estate and um, 
she basically spent her whole life studying to go to the finish. And so she did. And she killed everyone and married whoever that heir was at that time. And so Adina's like, oh my God, like all my plans mean nothing because I'm either going to be dead or I'm going to be a Remington. And neither one of those are the things that I want to be. (laughs) Like she wanted to go to Yale, leave her mark on the world. Like she can't do that as Mrs. Remington. (laughs) So she's like, I'm leaving. Like I want to leave, but you can't leave unless they let them leave. And, you know, she's like, basically the Remingtons own like the state. Like they, they have people in government and the police and like, you can't go anywhere without Remington's knowing about it. So that night she can't sleep. She doesn't even eat dinner. And when Saint falls asleep, she puts on her shoes and she's like planning to run. So she goes down and she passes an office and she hears third, fourth and Graham talking. And third is telling four that he needs to get together. And Graham says like, I mean, he did just see a body get put in a freezer. So a little grace would be nice. Pierce says Graham told him it would be different. And their dad is basically like, you want it to be different. So you invited outside girls and you invited her. So basically their dad's blaming like how things are going on the fact that Adina's there. And we'll learn like why this is such an issue for them. And, um, well, I guess he says it right here. So he's like an outlier. He's like an outlier. They can't keep quiet. So one, they don't let people leave because like they don't want, obviously you can't be telling people that they've been killing people every year, but also all these other families they do stuff like this. Like they're like weird, rich, wealthy families with like deep, dark secrets. And so like, they're they probably like used to weird stuff like this. But Adina comes from nothing. Like she's like, ah, we don't do this at my house. So if she got out, like obviously she's going to call the authorities as she should. Um, and so she's an outlier. So Layton is also in the room and she tells them that, um, I told you like, no matter what, that there will be bloodshed because these girls are going to fight to the death. Like they want what they want. It doesn't matter what you try to do to it. They're going to kill for you. And Graham says like, well, let's just send Adina home before the other girls eat her. And so Adina like runs the other way, trying to find a way out. And she sees one of the security guards walking. Like he has a gun, he has a walkie talkie. So she like drops down on the floor and then she hears like someone and it's Saint and Saint's like, get up here now. Like she's like, they are going to find you. Are you crazy? Like, you have, she's like, he is not the only security guard. So Adina goes back with Saint and Saint, like they just go to bed. And the next morning, Saint doesn't want to talk about last night. Hawthorne comes to ask if they want to go down together for breakfast. And she says Esme was reprimanded for what happened the night before. And she isn't being allowed to join the girls this morning. So at breakfast, Margaret and Esme's chairs are also missing. So they basically like, they just pull out their little seat as they go. Another girl, Jacqueline, um, asked if Penn is in a single room now because Margaret died and that was her roommate. And Jackie says, Jacqueline or Jackie says, she doesn't have enough space. And she was like, do you want to play a game? <laughs> and um, Penn is about to agree to it. But Layton comes in and tells them they need to hurry up and get dressed for the day and that their attire is in their room. And Layton asks to see Adina in her office first. So she goes into the office with Layton and she still calls her Dr. Remington and she's like, please like call me Aunt Layton, which I don't know. I probably wouldn't call her Aunt Layton either. And she applauds her for like being the only person that helped Margaret last night. And she basically tells her um, how she learned about what the finish was, how it's a deadly game and how she was powerless to stop it. And she sees a lot of herself in Adina and Adina's like, well, it looks like you fit in perfectly here now. And Layton tells her that she knows that she tried to leave last night 
And she says, technically no rules were broken because you, because Saint stopped you. But if you had left, there would have been consequences. And she's like, they will try to hurt you. They have to protect the secrecy and they may hurt the people that you love. And she's like, you need to play their game and you'll be fine. And she's like, I'm going to be your ally. Ally, just trust me. And then she lets her call her parents for reassurance. But she's like, nope. Like, I, she's like, I feel like this is a test. So, like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it. Like, I'm good. So, they are going, they're learning about their first event, which is the, what is it? What they, what do they call it? They do call it the ride, don't they? Yes. It's just called the ride. Okay. But, and the ride is they have to ride a horse. So most of these girls, again, come from money. That's typically something with money, people with money do is like ride horses. Obviously, Adina has like no experience <laughs> with this. Um, so Layton tells her that basically the first event is a race and it's in a few days. And so the winner will get cocktails um, like with the family and dinner with the family to discuss the future. And like, they'll get time to talk to Pierce alone. And they get separated into two groups, basically those who have ridden and those who haven't. And the only two that have not ridden horses is Adina. And there's a girl from California and that is Hannah G. Or the Hannah R. There's two Hannahs. Hannah G. It's Hannah G. Okay. So this is Hannah G. Yeah. There's two Hannahs and that will come up later. (laughs) (laughs) So Graham is actually their trainer for the day. He says he volunteered for this role because he's trying to make sure no one dies. And he tells them like, not only is it a race, it's an obstacle course. He tells Adina that he doesn't want to be here, but four was upset about like the, the death, obviously. So he's there to prevent what they call accidents because that's what they call the death accident. He tells her he wrote a letter to Margaret's family and that her body is going to stay at the morgue until the finish is over. And he takes out two horses. Hannah claims the one they call princess. And so Adina gets starlight who we find out is his mother's horse. And he tells her that the actual course is going to take about 10 minutes And this is where Adina starts to realize that she's attracted to Graham. So I'm like, oh, Lord. (laughs) So they practice. And afterwards, she meets Saint and Hawthorne at lunch. Esme is in there waiting for them to come back from lunch. And um, she, as the girls come in, Esme is like, oh, Hannah R., Jacqueline, like, come over. But she doesn't call for Hawthorne. And Hawthorne, like, tries to play it off and act like it doesn't bother her. And Esme says that she had to meet with Leighton this morning for her emotional distress. And that uh, Adina's like, you're the one that caused the emotional distress. Esme says, what a cruel accusation. Um, And she's like, basically like Hawthorne, I wouldn't do anything right. And Hawthorne's like, you're right. And like walks over, like walks away from them and goes over to her master, basically. So Esme stays with the group for the rest of the day. And then the next day she's at training with them. And so the next day they have to learn how to now jump. So first they had to ride the horses and now they have to be able to jump hurdles. And um, Adina is able to learn how to do it. And after the practice, she meets with Saint and Saint tells her, um, like she talks to Saint a little bit about Tony and and Saint basically feels like Tony set Adina up to come here because she tells her how Charles, Tony's brother, is best friends with Pierce. And so Saint's like, there's no way that Tony doesn't know what this is. But I I don't think that Tony knows. Like, I don't think that Tony knows anything about it. Yeah. I don't think so either. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, I don't even think that Charles really knew, to be honest. So Saint tells her more about why she's here. So Saint again said that she did not have to be there. Saint says that she's there for her family to get a contract with the Remingtons. And then there's a knock at their bedroom door and a dress is delivered. It's a, it's an Oscar de la Renta dress and it has been delivered for Adina. So as they're getting ready to go down, 
um, to dinner, Hawthorne comes over and says like, Esme doesn't want me to talk to you, but I want to. So like she's choosing to talk to them now, whatever. So at this dinner again, all of the Remingtons are present and they call this like the repartee, I guess. There's a few of these. And so tonight they're going to be playing cards, which Adina is terrible at. (laughs) So she like kind of walks around. There's different card games going on and she's trying to choose who to play with. And Graham comes up to her saying that she looks like (laughs) she's at a funeral and she says, yeah, it's mine. And he's like, please like, don't say that. Like, it's not funny. Don't joke like that. And she sees Layton. So she heads towards her as Graham tries to say something to her because he wants to tell her something, but she is not trying to hear him. So she grabs Saint and they go up to Layton and Layton basically dismisses Esme. She's like, why don't you guys go give me something to drink? And <laughs> Esme and Hawthorne are like, uh, what? <laughs> so as they're talking to Layton, third comes up and is talking about how Adina was, her emissions were rescinded from Yale again. And Layton's like, you're fine. Like she tells her like, she's doing really well. Saint tries to talk to third, but he wants to talk to Penn. And he asks Penn if she knew Adina well when they were at school. And he asks her if he asks Penn, does she think that Adina would be a good fit in the family? Which is a weird thing to ask your son's girlfriend, but okay. (laughs) Right. And (sighs) Penn says that Adina's better than she'd like to believe. So third tells Penn that she needs to go start a game. And so Jacqueline is like, oh, I want to play a game with you. So because Jacqueline requested Penn to play, the rule is that whoever gets asked gets to pick the game. So the game that Penn picks is war, like the card game. And so basically she's like, Jacqueline, okay, so if you win, what do you want? And Jacqueline's like, I want your room because she wants to be in a single room by herself. And she asked Penn what she wants. And she's like, uh, I don't know. Like, we'll see. So they start playing and Penn is winning, but then Jacqueline starts winning, but then Penn starts winning. So it's going back and forth. And so Penn asked Jacqueline, like, who nominated you to come here? And she's starting to win again at this point. And basically she's like flustering Jacqueline and Jacqueline starts cussing. And like, um, she's like, all the women at the finish are women are grace, blah, 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 blah. And Penn's like, you know what? I know what I want. And she said, if I win, I want your saddle for the ride. And everyone's like, oh my God, like basically if you don't have a saddle on your horse, like she could die. Like she could fall off and die. So she's like, why would you want my saddle? Like you already have one. And she's like, yeah, I know. I don't want to ride with your saddle. Like I just don't want you to have one basically. So Penn ends up winning. And I was like, she ate that because (laughs) Jacqueline is an asshole. So she like deserves to lose. (laughs) And Adina realizes that Penn isn't like above the game because all all up until the finish, like Penn has like been like this like sweet girl that like kind of seems naive. She's really quiet and like just la da da like is that Pierce's side, but like nothing special. And she's like, I think Penn is like going to do really good here. And she's like, she's a lethal player. And she is like, Jacqueline's probably going to fall off her horse and die. And so Penn goes over and kisses Pierce as she's leaving. And he kind of like winces. And so Adina follows Penn out and she asks her if she was supposed to challenge her. And she says that Penn says, yeah, I think that's what third wanted me to do. But she doesn't like being used. So she asked Penn, like, well, how did you win? And <laughs> Penn's like, it's a game of chance. But then she pulls up her dress and she realizes that she cheated, which is fine. I mean, it's just all about winning at the end of the day. And she's like, everybody cheats. And she says she knew that they would challenge her because she's Pierce's girlfriend. Like she knows that everybody is after her because she's Pierce's girlfriend. And she's also third's favorite out of all the girls. And 
Pin is very good at horseback. Like she's super good at riding a horse, but she's also been training for the finish her entire life. And she tells Adina like, and now you're going to be a target also because Pierce is the one who had that dress delivered to her that night. And now you're a target or no wait, I think maybe Layton had this dress delivered. Yeah. Layton had this dress delivered. So like she's now Layton's favorite and the girls are going to know that now. So Pin tells Adina, like, this is the last favor I'll give you. And she just tells her that she needs to protect herself. So Pierce comes out and he says that, um, like, Adina goes up to him and trying to talk about Pin. And he says, like, I don't want to talk about Pin, but he does want to talk to Adina. And he tells her that he likes her in the dress. And he says that his aunt thinks that you could win and that she likes you. Adina says that we both know who third, who third likes. And Pierce says, yeah, he wants her to win. But he says... Pierce himself wants Adina to win. And he tells her that Graham has a gift for her tomorrow and she needs to take it. He wants to even the playing field and he says that you're going to get through the ride to like not to worry about the ride tomorrow. And she asks him to play old maid so they play like a card game. So the next day is the day of the ride and she goes out to get her horse and Graham was out there and he's basically like, here, take my horse. Which the horse is called Widowmaker. Like I don't want to. Yeah, ride, no, thank you. I don't want to ride the horse that no. has death in the name. Like I don't want to ride that horse. <laughs> and she's like, no. And that's not why. She's like, I want to ride my horse. Like I bonded with my horse. Like I haven't. She has integrity, basically. And Pierce tells her that. Like Pierce is like, you have integrity. And so she gets on the horse and they start. So the first thing they have to do is like jump over bushes. So they get that and she's like, okay, like she does pretty good. But then she looks up and she sees Hannah G throwing nails at Hannah R and Hannah R falls off and she dies. And the, <laughs> and Hannah G is like, I'm the only Hannah now. Like, because they've been calling them Hannah G and Hannah R and she's like pissed about it. So that kind of, dis- that, that throws her off a little bit. So then they, um, Adina's like riding and then she passes another person and they're like face down in the mud. So that person's out. And then she has to cross a river and she looks and Jacqueline is like coming up behind her with a gun pointed at her and she's shooting at her like, like it's a freaking Western. West. Yeah. Like <laughs> what is going on? So she like basically lets Jacqueline get close enough to her. And then she like pushes her off in the river um, and then basically like tries to hurry up and gets across. So she actually is able to like make it all the way to the finish line. Um, and when she gets there, Saint is already there. So she was not the last one to cross. Somehow Jacqueline does not die without her saddle. And I'm like, dang it. <laughs> so that Jacqueline comes out at the finish and she's pointing the gun and Layton like grabs her wrist and twists it. And Jacqueline's like, but she tried to kill me. You're pointing a gun. Her. you're the murderer she she pushed you off in the river whether you drowned or not was completely up to you like you're the murderer so so Jacqueline's the last one to come they wait a little bit but no one else comes out so now there are only seven girls mind you we started with 12 so saint says that um like saint turns to her and she's like i should let you run that night and then she's like let's go like we need to run together and adina's like we're going to have to try tomorrow because I'm exhausted. <laughs> so from the ride, Penn gets first place. So she's basically going to get private time with the family and with Pierce. Um, second place goes to Saint, actually. So she will also get some private time with Pierce. Third place goes to Esme, Esme who gets nothing. And I love that for her. Then Hawthorne, then Adina, Hannah G, Jacqueline, and Reagan. There's a girl named Reagan who was in last place. 
So they go to lunch after this and she sits next to Graham and she can just like barely eat. She's just like pushing her food around. And Saint is like chatting up third and she like looks around and she's just like, people literally just died. And these people are just like eating their lunch. Like I, she's like, when she first got there, she was like, the food was like delicious. It was amazing. But now she's like, I don't even care. Like, because it's tainted by the death and the murder. Like, ugh. So she's like pushing her food around on her plate. And Esme is like, oh, I can eat your food if you like, you don't want it. And she's like, absolutely the fuck not. Like, I'm going to eat my food. I will force feed myself before. <laughs> I'd I rather eat it than you. Yeah. I don't care if it was freaking escargot. I'm going to eat this and you're not going to eat a single thing <laughs> off my plate. Uh, <laughs> and then she looks over and like Pen and Pierce are like all cozied up again, um, like kind of back to normal. So we go forward about 18 hours. It's very specific since lunch. And like, she's been trying to take ice ice baths to heal. Like she's got bruises all over her and they finally all get the chance to call home. So they get 20 minutes and she calls her mom and her mom's like, Oh, like your dad just left. And she's like, Oh, are you okay? And she, her mom, and she's like, yeah, like she's basically trying to play it off. She knows she can't tell her anything. And she tells her mom about Saint and then she goes like, she's like, oh, have you seen Tony? And she's like, no. And she tells her to like tell Tony that she's out of her suburbia sweet lotion from Bath and Body Works. And her mom's like, what? But she tells her to tell Tony this because she knows like basically if she dies here, like no one's going to know, like they're going to like put it under wraps. So she wants to, her to tell Tony that because Tony's going to be like, what the hell is she talking about? Like she's going to know that something's up and possibly come and look for her. So after she doesn't even spend like the full 20 minutes on the phone and Layton asks like what's changed. And she just says me like, you know, she's like losing her fire and Layton's like, well, what happens to carbon when it's under pressure? And Adina's like, it turns into a diamond. Like, so she's basically like, you're trying to turn me into a diamond, but I'm exhausted and I can't think straight and I want to go home. (laughs) (laughs) So Saint is also like really kind of losing steam. Like she was very fire when she came in, but she's losing all of her like mojo as well. So they don't go to dinner that night. They kind of just go to their rooms and like pass out. But then she wakes up later that night and it's after midnight. So Adina's like, okay, everyone's probably in bed. So she goes to the common room to like see what food's left over. And of course, Esme's like waiting in the common room. Like, don't you have anything else to do? And she's like, Esme's like, go ahead, like get food. And Esme says, friends don't spread lies. And Adina says, friends don't attack friends with the, for their accomplishments. And she says, I made you and I made Tony. And um, she's like, I saw you and Pierce in the woods that night, like basically at the campfire, like fire or whatever. And Esme's like, I'll win because I've been friends with them my entire life. Like, what does that matter? So is Penn. Like, I'm right. like, why do you think that you're going to win over Penn if anything? And she says that she offered to sell her diamond le- necklace because Esme always wears this diamond necklace. And she's like, I offered to sell it to pay for her father's lawyers. And she says, when I win, he'll never have to feel shame again. So basically she admits like, it's true. Like her family doesn't have any money. And that is why Esme's here. Hawthorne also comes in and makes a plate and like sits down. And she says how Penn has always just been nice and a favorite, but so is Adina now. And she says, Esme doesn't plan. She just acts like she's just kind of reckless. And Esme like leaves at some point. And this is where Hawthorne tells her like, she's not just friends with Esme. Like she loves Esme. Like this is basically the love of her life. And that's why she's there. She said she came basically to like make sure that Esme makes it through. And she's like, I'm not her follower. I'm her partner, which like, no, you're definitely kind of her lackey still (laughs) like, 
you in your mind and you're the Lulu mm-hmm. mind and you're her partner, but you're definitely the lackey. Right. Like I, you're the you're the <laughs> second banana. <laughs> and Adina's like, okay, so then if you're not her follower, you're her partner. Why didn't you stand up for me with the whole yell situation? And she's like, because we were friends. And all Hawthorne can say is like, I mean, I didn't want to hurt you, but um, I can't let you win. And she's like, you scare Esme. And I'm like, that's all a bunch of bull crap. I don't want to hear none of that. Because I want to go back to the fact that you let her ruin my life. Right. <laughs> like, I don't care about any of that. So when she gets back to her room, Saint is there and Saint's like, Look, I know I'm not going to win, but she wants to make it out. So she wants to make a plan to make sure Adina wins. And she says that basically the plan should be that they'll be the last two standing. And then Saint is going to like forfeit and basically ask Adina to ask the Remingtons to spare her. So the next morning she tells Adina to get dressed because Saint is supposed to have breakfast with Pierce. But she's like, I want you to go because she knows the odds are better. And she wants her to undo everything that Penn might have had the chance to do last night since they were kind of cozied up again. And Saint tells her, like, you already have Graham and Leighton on your side, so you need to get Pierce. And she tells her also, like, Pierce already has Penn. Like, men never want what they already have. Like, it's like the chase and the attraction. So he's like, that's why he's going to go for you. So she goes to breakfast and Pierce is like, oh, like, I'm pleasantly surprised to see you. And Adina asks, like, basically, like, why do you want me to win? And he tries to avoid the answer. Um, and then he's like, I don't want to answer the question. Cause he's basically like, Oh, eat breakfast. Like blah, 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 blah. And she's like, I'm, I came here for answers. <laughs> and so he says that his dad wants Penn to win, but he doesn't. And he tells her that his mother hated the finish. So basically this year he's tried to add like training time in. So in the past, the finish was only one week, not two, because the girls had no time to train. They just like went straight through these events and do or die basically. And he also tried to broaden the pool of girls, which I'm like, no, you did not. You added one girl that didn't fit in the pool. Like what? I don't, I'm confused. So Pierce says, I chose you. And he's like, I really see you as a potential wife, sir. You are 18 years old. He just sees her as uh, the girl on the diversity page. Yeah, the girl on the diversity page. (laughs) He definitely, he definitely meant that. So. (laughs) <laughs> so she, so Adina's like okay so is the issue Penn or like your father and he says I don't want to be the high school couple that like goes to college and like he doesn't want to be that couple that just we got together in high school and we never broke up and it's just you know that's the rest of our story and he says um he had told Penn I'm assuming it was that night at the bonfire when they were arguing that basically they're holding a spot at Harvard but it's not for Penn it's for whoever wins the finish and he had broke up with her because he wanted to make the finish fair as possible which I'm like that doesn't make it fair. She's been around your family all her life. Like you broke up with her two days ago. <laughs> like, right. What good was that going to do? And he tells Adina he wants the winner to be her. He tells her she's not fake and that Penn is basically smothering him. And he tells her that he thinks that she'll beat the raid and that lessons for the raid start tomorrow. He tells her it's going to be a hunt and it's going to be in the hedge maze. He says in the past, only the top three girls were equipped with weapons, but this year he's going to equip all of them with weapons, which he thinks will make it fair. And Adina's like, no, that will just make it more deadly because now we all have weapons. (laughs) But he's like, but you'll be protected. (laughs) Oh my God. He's delusional. So she like jumps up because she's like, I got to get up out of here. And he's like, are you upset? And she's like, no, (laughs) (laughs) but she leaves 
Um, and she kind of wanders around and the security asks her like if she's lost and she's like, no, I'm looking for the kitchen. So she does end up just going there and she finds Graham in there. And so she's like, tell me about the raid. And so he tells her like the maze is, is hollow so she can actually like push through the walls of the maze if she wanted to. But I'm like, ouch. Right. Like that does not sound like, I don't care how hollow it is. It's still like bushes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so she kind of like grabs him and wraps her like legs around him and she's thinking about kissing him. So she does. I'm like, okay, so you have both brothers just wrapped around your little finger here. And she thinks that he's nearly perfect, but then she suddenly realizes like, oh my God, this is the wrong Remington. And she's panicking because at the end of the day, like if she wants to win, she has to get Pierce, not Graham. So like, yeah, calm your horses, lady. So they are at the raid practice and Layton basically says the raid is a metaphor. So life is full of decisions that will either take you closer or farther away from what you want. And that's what the raid is supposed to like mimic. So um, she also says, but as Remingtons, you don't go into life unprepared. So Pierce assigns everyone weapons. So Penn is the first one because she was number one. So she gets two. She gets a butterfly knife. (laughs) He was number one. I love football (laughs) references. So Penn gets two weapons. She gets a butterfly knife and a machete. Saint is next and she gets a dagger because he tells her that he thinks she's sneaky. He gives Esme a hunting knife. Hawthorne gets a crossbow because she's extremely skilled at archery. Adina, he pulls her forward and he pulls out this case and it has the gun in it that Jacqueline stole. So he gives her a gun. And so then she picks up and points it at Jacqueline who looks scared and she goes, pew, pew. (laughs) <laughs> i thought that was hilarious <laughs> so next he gives hannah um like a staff basically i don't know and he gives jacqueline a battle act and then he gives reagan a baseball bat, like a baseball bat like is this twilight <laughs> um and esme laughs and because she says that oh like reagan like he really wants you to win and he's not hiding it like trying to be sarcastic and then um Leighton and graham like also kind of laugh basically and um oh no take that back so esme laughs she's talking about adina and she goes okay obviously like we can all tell that pierce wants you to win and layton and graham do too and so like she's basically like now everybody's gonna want to take you down so adina decides that she's gonna be training at dawn for the raid and so she goes down alone to the maze but of course she's not alone because graham is in there waiting for her so graham teaches her how to hold and shoot the gun loosely um so that like He's basically like, I hope you can shoot somebody in the leg and like not actually kill them because he wants her to be a good girl still. And he knows that she doesn't really want to kill anyone. And he tells her how um, his dad didn't give him the Pierce name. Basically, he said his mom had super bad postpartum. And as soon as he was born, like it started and basically it didn't go away until Pierce was born. And like he doesn't even have any pictures with his mom until his brother was born. Like his life basically did not start until his brother was born. And that is so freaking depressing and sad. (laughs) Like, ouch. Um, And basically the first picture he has is like, he was holding Pierce and he's like, so his whole life has revolved around making sure Pierce was always treated as if he like, he deserved his dad's name making sure that Pierce was good at business. So like he would make himself look bad at business so that Pierce looked good. Um, He would make himself socially unacceptable so that Pierce was socially acceptable. Like basically everything. Like he didn't go to Harvard because Pierce has to go to Harvard. He wanted to just make sure that Pierce was like the golden boy. 
He says the one tradition that he drew the line at was the finish. He was supposed to have a finish last year, but he refused and went to London and like refused to come out of, to come home. Um, and so he basically tried to get Pierce to do the same thing, but he's like, Pierce really wants to do good. He says, and he thinks he can somehow with this finish. And that's when he tells her about the finish, like being one week and all that stuff that I've already said. And so he basically, like, Adina's like, okay, so is your mom dead? Because, like, he starts talking about his right. mom again. And he's like, oh, no. Like, she's just at, a, like, a health spa in, like, Aspen or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I was like. Uh, like, because where is this lady at? Like, why is Layton here and not your mom? Like, that's so weird. Right. It's extremely strange. But his mom has, like, extreme PTSD. And every time the finish comes up, she basically leaves because she just hates it and can't handle it. And I'm like, yeah, you just continue to keep doing it. I don't understand. So as they're preparing for the raid, um, she just like Adina keeps egging on Jackie. Um, and so Jackie ends up going to see Layton. And when she comes back, like she's all happy, smiling. She tells Adina that Layton wants to see her. So when she gets to the office, um, Adina basically said, or no, when she gets to the office, she can hear Layton talking to third, who is asking like, why do you like her? And calls, um, he calls Layton like working class trash. And Leighton knows that Adina's there. And so she's like, come in, Adina. And third, like, rushes over to the door telling her how despicable it is to eavesdrop. And Adina basically is, like, classes before she can even, like, think about it. And then she, like, slaps her hand over her mouth. And Leighton is like, you are a guest here. You need to watch your mouth. And I'm like, uh, he literally called you working class trash. But okay, <laughs> go off. <laughs> and Adina can tell, like, Something has shifted now between her and Layton. And then Layton tells her, like, you're being dangerous. Um, you're picking with the girls. And, like, this whole thing with Pierce and Graham. And that, you know, she reminds her that your family is a pawn in this as well. Like, if you don't act right, like, your family is on the table. So that night they have their second repartee. And tonight they're playing chess. And so, um, again, like, all the other girls kind of rush around to see, like, what games are going on and saint is like you know we should just stay back and keep our plan secret and so that's their also their plan for tomorrow during the raid they plan to kind of just stick to the walls of the maze and she tells saint that she can't because she knows that layton is watching her tonight and they want to see how like she acts basically so the other girls are already started playing and hawthorne beats jackie and offers to play adina but then esme asks to play her and Pierce tells Esme, like, don't try to take her gun in this game if you win because I'll just give it back to her. And I'm like, Pierce, you're not helping. You're not helping at all. And <laughs> Adina tells Esme, like, I don't want to play you. And Esme says, why not? You're scared? And Adina says, why do I take up so much space in your head? And she says, <laughs> she says, that's all your family can afford. Ouch. So Adina sees Leighton and knows that like Leighton probably wants her to play. So she's like, fine, I will. But since Esme challenged Adina, Adina says that if I win, you'll basically avoid me in the maze. Like you won't try to come after me or anything else. Esme says if she wins, then Adina has to sleep in the hallway tonight with like no pillows or anything. And Adina actually is pretty good at um, chess, I guess, because she was in the chess club or wanted to be in the chess club. But unfortunately, she ends up losing. So she loses and has to sleep on the floor the night before the freaking raid. And they are out there and her whole body hurts. She didn't get any sleep. And so they enter the maze in rank order. So basically from Penn down to Reagan. And they enter at 45 second intervals. 
And so basically they first, they have to find the prize and then they have to defend the prize in order to get out and get across the finish line. So when it's her turn, she runs in in a panic, but Saint is like there waiting for her and they start to hear screams and then they run into Hawthorne who's panting and claims like, I'm not with Esme, but um, Adina pulls out her gun. Like, I don't trust you basically. And, and Hawthorne's like, we got separated. Like, I'm not with her. She says Reagan busted Hannah's nose with her bat and she busted Jacqueline's first teeth, which good for her. <laughs> So the three of them make it to the middle first and they see a small jewelry box and they're like, this has to be a trap. And they notice that it's basically like a wedding ring in this jewelry box. So as they're looking at it, all the other girls show up and Saint assumes that Hawthorne tricked them, but she's actually, Hawthorne is holding her crossbow and she has it pointed at Jacqueline and she tells Esme like, I don't want to do this. Like we don't have to attack them. Like just get the freaking box and let's go. And so all the girls start fighting about why Esme thinks she's the one who gets to win. And so Saint grabs Adina and starts pulling her back. And Esme calls Hannah, like, Hannah G. And she's like, <laughs> I'm the only Hannah now. You don't have to call me Hannah G, blah, 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 blah. And so Hawthorne just shoots Hannah in the chest. Like, boop. Okay. <laughs> um, and so Jacqueline attacks Hawthorne and... Adina shoots three like warning shots in the air and then she just throws, she grabs the box and then she throws the box at Esme and she's like here. But even though she gives Esme the box, of course Esme chases after her because she's a psychopath. So she's chasing her and her and Saint get separated. Saint goes left and Adina goes right. So she hears, she's like hiding and she hears Hawthorne like trying to reason with Esme, like you don't have to kill her, like let's just get out of here. And she knows if she shoots Esme that Hawthorne is just gonna kill her. So she's like, I really can't win. So she's like up against a wall when all of a sudden two arms reach out of the wall and like pull her through <laughs> and it's Pin. And Pin is like using her machete to get through the walls. And Adina asks Pin why she's still doing this if Pierce broke up with her. And Pin just says, ask me again when we get out of here. So then all of a sudden Reagan is like running up at them with the bat asking for the box. And she's like, Saint didn't have the box. So Pin literally just pulls out her knife and stabs her in the stomach and then in the heart. Very brutal. Like boom, boom, boom and done. <laughs> like no second thought or anything. And so then Pin and Adina are able to uh, finally see the exit and they basically have to exit where they entered and they get out and Esme and Hawthorne are already out there. And Esme is like wrapped in like one of those foil blankets with the ring on her finger and it doesn't even fit on her like fat <laughs> finger. She's so obnoxious. So they're out there a long time waiting, but then Saint finally comes out and she is the last one to come out. So they spend the rest of that day sleeping. When Saint finally wakes up, she is just like, she's broken. Like she is over in the corner, like with her luggage and she's speaking in Mandarin. She's talking to herself and uh, Adina tries to talk to her, but she doesn't even respond. So as she's, um, Adina like goes and gets in the shower and she's like, I'm finally going to wash my hair. Like she's trying to get herself together. And so she's standing in a towel and her, there's a knock at her door and it's Pierce. And she's like, she can barely just hide her resentment. Like she can't even play the game anymore. And she's just like, what do you want? And he basically says like, he has to have lunch with Esme and he does not want to go to have lunch with Esme, but like she won or whatever, but he wanted to tell her that she was brilliant for turning the girls against Esme and he brought her a garment bag. And so basically they were watching the whole like raid thing. And she asked if Graham was watching, which he's like, why the fuck do you care about if Graham was watching? Like, why would you ask me that? And he's like, no, he left because the raid was upsetting to him. So they all receive boxes with these masks in it. And it says they have to be ready in three hours. So she takes the dress out and Saint is like, oh, like this is like an emerging designer. So Saint is able to like snap back into it and she gets herself back together. And Saint says that she didn't expect um, 
Oh, Saint says that it just, she wasn't expecting for them all to be like herded it to the middle like they were in the maze. And um, she knows that the other girls and that like the family is not happy that both of them are still alive and that they need a new plan or that they are going to make Adina kill her. Adina remembers that she needs to go see Penn and find out like why she's even there. And she's like, cause she's the only one who truly does not need to be here. And Saint admits that she doesn't have to be here either. She says my father, because, okay. So first it was that her father or that she was there to try to make like a deal or a partnership with the family. But now Saint says like her father didn't send her there. And actually her family has no idea that she's even there. She came to prove a point because Basically, Saint had recommended that her family team up with the Remingtons, but then her father had turned them down. So then the Remingtons felt insulted and they sent the invitation to the finish kind of as like an insult to their family. So she accepted it without them knowing. And they think that she's just like taking summer classes or something like that. So Adina goes to Penn's room and she asks, um, and she basically asks Penn, like, are you here so you can go to Harvard? And Penn just laughs and is like, is that what he told you? <laughs> And she says, I'm here because I have to be perfect and Pierce is perfect. She says that, like, I know that you tried to hook up with my boyfriend in the woods that night. And she says she knew it as soon as they came out of the woods and she saw how he looked at her and like, he's never looked at her like that. She says, Pierce does not care about her because he wouldn't have let you be here if he did. And he could get you out if he wanted to. She says, he's just like his dad and his dad wants him to be like the governor basically. And she says, Graham is no better because if Four asked him to like let Adina die, he would let him because, because Graham does whatever Four wants. So like, he's not any better. Penn says, I'm here because I have nothing else. Nothing besides Pierce. I was bred for nothing else, but to marry successful and basically like, be his wife like I was born and raised to be a wife to Pierce like that is literally my whole purpose she says Pierce wants a girl who's broken and she says what he needs is someone who cannot be broken by him she says Pierce likes you because he'll use your story to basically make himself look good like yeah like it'll look good to be like yeah I got my wife who was poor and she's black and like we're climbing to the top but she like it won't be your story it'll be like Pierce's stepping stones basically and she asks Adina, like, have you ever said, told, said no to Pierce? And she's like, you should try it and see what he does. And Penn says that she's never been able to do it either. So that night they all go down with their mask and Leighton tells them to put on their mask and says that they are no longer, like who they are no longer matters. And this is the final repartee. So they are all led into the ballroom and there's like two dozen people in there clapping. So there are guests. So mm-hmm. at first, Adina's like, oh my God, somebody can save me. But then she starts looking around and there's a senator, there's the head master of Edgewater, there's like a CFO for a company. And she's like, these are all people who the Remingtons have in their pocket. So I literally, like, none of them are going to care about what happens to me. So Third goes up and gives a toast. And only Graham, like, approaches her because everyone else is like, ooh, who's this black girl here? And she's, like, pretty cold with him. She notices that Esme and Penn's parents are there. And Pierce comes up and like dismisses Graham. And then she realizes that the dress that he gave her matches the suit that he has on. Like he is making it blatantly clear that he wants it to be them at the end of this. So they dance and she asks why he wanted to have a finish when Graham didn't. He says it's tradition and tradition is a hard thing to break. He said that he had to, but he's trying to make this his own. And he wanted a real competition that wasn't just something easy for Penn to get through. And he likes that Adina is able to turn Esme into the real monster that she is. 
Adina tells him that, you know, like, let me go. Like, she's just disgusted by him. And he's like, we're dancing. And he tells her, you're making a scene. And she slaps him. And I was like, girl, are you trying to die? I'm like, are you? Somehow, only like a couple people see this. Not like his parent or his dad. And she tells him, I do it again. (laughs) And I do it again. (laughs) And says that. She tells him, like, this is not evening the playing field, asshole. (laughs) And so he's pissed. But then Penn comes over and she's like, Pierce, like, just remember, like, she didn't know any better. Like, it's like doing what she was born and bred to do. And he's like, you know what? Let's play a game. And Penn's like, okay, this is him retaliating. Like, you've pissed him off. So he presents the girls to the crowd and tells them to take off their mask. And he says, the game is Simon Says. So he asks for a volunteer and like first like a senator from Massachusetts volunteers and makes them jump up and down. And Adina's like, I am going to go to Massachusetts and I am going to murder this man. (laughs) Then like another woman comes up and she makes them just scream so much that like Saint literally like throws up and has to get out. So then Pierce asks Charles to go. So she realizes Charles is here. She didn't even recognize that he was in the room until this happened. And Charles is like, no, like this is not, this is not my type of fun or whatever. And so he refuses. So then Esme, Esme's father steps up and he, and her mother as well. So they have them do like different stuff. And like at one point, I think they have them like, just like not blink and then like blink continuously. Hawthorne ends up getting out. And so then it's just, or then it's just Penn, Esme and Adina left. So then Esme's dad says, Simon says, slap each other. So of course, Esme couldn't wait. And she like slaps the the taste out of Adina's mouth. But then Penn is like right there and backhands Esme. And I was like, good girl. (laughs) And then uh, Penn lets Adina slap her. So then Simon says, stab yourself with a fork. And Adina's like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm out. I'm not doing that. So she goes to St. Um, and then as she's walking over to her, she sees Charles like trying to sneak out. So she catches him and he's just like disgusted by this whole thing. And she's like, help me get out of here. And while she's talking to him, she hears a scream and she looks and she notices that like Penn bowed out of the thing. Cause she's like, I'm not stabbing myself either. But who did it? Esme. She freaking stabbed herself because her dad. And then after that, her parents like hug her and kiss her because she's such a loyal servant. Like this is sick. So Charles leaves and she's hurt because she's like, okay, he got to leave and I'm stuck here. And she's just like watching people dance. And Esme and Hawthorne are like over with both of their parents are there. And so Layton comes up and ends the night and Pierce kisses her goodnight. And they know that tomorrow at 11, they will have to be pre- uh, presented in their finest attire for the Royale. And they're told that the Royale is an event in which combatants will fight until there's only one left. So they're going to fight till the death. And so... <laughs> Adina's like, well, you know what? It's almost peaceful knowing that I'll die tomorrow. <laughs> and she's like, I plan to haunt this place like no other. So she goes in the room and then Saint comes in and Saint comes in and literally rips her dress off. She grabs her like fatigue outfit from the raid and starts putting it on. And she's like, I'm done. I'm, I'm going home. Like I am done with this. And Adina's like, okay, well you cannot leave me. And she's like, I'm not like, you're coming with me. So Adina says, like, my parents don't have anything to protect them. And Saint's like, you have me. Like, I'll protect you. She's like, I'll pay for Yale if that's what you want. But, like, we are getting out of here. And, like, she tells her, like, well, Charles was here. And she's like, we, like, we don't know how long that's going to take. Like, we don't have enough time to wait and see, like, when he's going to come and try. And if he can even do anything for you. And so Saint's like, all I need to do is get to a phone and get to a bank. 
So they sneak out the back and they're able to get all the way out to the, sta the stables. And Esme is freaking out. There. Like, what is with her? So Esme's out there waiting and she says that she knew that they were going to be doing something because she could tell like at that night at the repartee, like the look on their faces that they were just, they were done with this. And so she said, um, they said like, okay, well, why can't we go? Like, this makes it easier for you. And she says, no, she's like, if I can't leave, if I have to die here, I'm not going to be the only one. So Esme turns to run and Saint grabs her, but then Esme like headbutts her. So they're kind of like tussling on the ground. And Saint is like bleeding everywhere and they're trying like to talk to Esme and Adina's like, please like Esme don't. But then Esme lunges at Saint. And so Adina grabs this like big beam of wood and just cracks her over the back of the head. So Esme drops to the ground and Adina starts spiraling because there's blood like pooling out of her head. And she tells Saint like, Saint's like, come on, we have to go. And she's like, no, you go, 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 go. And like, she just stays. And I'm like, you idiot. <laughs> I'm like, are you an idiot? Like, what is wrong with you? So she hears the security guards coming and she just like lifts her hands up, but then someone grabs her and it's Graham and he tells her like, come with me or they'll shoot you. And so they're like kind of hiding in the stables and they see Leighton Hawthorne come in and Hawthorne literally just like screams and collapses because this is the love of her life. And they hear the security radio go off and they're talking about Saint in the woods. And Leighton grabs like a syringe and stabs Hawthorne in the neck and is like, take her to her room and get her ready for tomorrow. And security is like, what do we need to do with Saint? And they and Leighton says, um, like, she's only here for Third's pride and her family doesn't even know that she's here. So like, we can't let her go. So kill her. And then they hear like, a boom. So we assume that Saint is, she's dead too. So Graham takes Adina to his room and he's like, I'm basically going to make it look like you were in here all night. Um, and she tells him about four and the slapping game. And she tells him like that she hooked up with four. And he says like, we all know. And he says that four doesn't have anything to do with this. And she says, like, you're a coward and you're selfish. Like, you won't even watch the finish. And, like, basically, you don't do anything about about it at all. And so she basically tells Graham, like, you're a coward. Like, you don't watch the finish. And, like, you don't do anything. And she's like, you basically taught Pierce that he could have whatever he want. Like, this is also your fault. And Graham says, like, he, and she's like, why didn't you save Satan? And he's like, well, one, because I think she had a chance of getting away. Um, but also, I like, I couldn't save both of you. And he says that, you know, he tells Adina, like, you don't deserve to be dead. And Adina's like, none of us deserve to be dead. And he tells her that he loves her. <laughs> so she sleeps in his room and she wakes up and she just kind of looks at him. And like, she does like still like him. But she grabs a suit from his closet that looks like it's too small. And she goes to her room and she sees like a blue dress there. And she's like, I'm not fucking wearing that. So she puts the suit on and she puts on one of Saint's tank top. And she like takes her hair down and rebraids it like into cornrows. And she thinks about how like she never would wear braids like that at school because obviously she didn't want to be like the black girl. Um, but she's like, forget it. Like, I don't care anymore. And she decides like, I'm not dying today and I will never think of this place once I get out of here. And she puts on her like all like dirty Air Force Ones <laughs> and goes down to like the den or whatever. And everyone's already down there waiting. And they're like, okay, glad you finally joined us. Like, we want to get the game started. And as they start the game, Adina says, like, wait, we can't start. Everyone isn't here. And they're like, what are you talking about? And Adina says that the finish is a game. And third is like, no, it's not. This is the tradition. And she says, the whole time we've been here, we have been playing games. Like, this has been a game. There's all these rules. And... Um, she's like, since basically like the girls were the ones that were challenged, we should be able to choose the game and that the Remingtons have to play the game. 
And third says like, who are you like to think that you can do all this? And she, and he's like, who are you even doing this for? And she says, all the ones who have died. And Pierce and Remington are like, or Pierce and Remington, Pierce and third are like, I'm not doing this. And Layton's like, you know what? I want to hear her out. And Graham says like, to like Pierce, he's like, I mean, Pierce, what did we do to deserve like all the money? He's like, well, our forefathers. And he's like, Graham's like, exactly. What did we do? Like nothing. Our forefathers, like we didn't actually do anything. Like how do we know that we're deserving of them to even marry us basically? And so Hawthorne and Penn are agreeing with Adina. And Adina remembers how in one of her first meeting with, with Layton, she basically asked like, does she still want to see third bleed? And she was like, absolutely. So she tells Layton like, she was like, Aunt Layton, please start counting down. And the game is assassin. And basically like, it's every man for themselves. <laughs> and third is still like, I'm not playing this. This is ridiculous. Blah, 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 blah. So then like, they just start grabbing weapons. So um, like she grabs um, like a long sword. Pin grabs the baseball bat. Hawthorne is headed towards the crossbow again. And third and fourth are like telling Layton, like, you're not even a real Remington. I'm like, I don't know that this is the time. Right. To be doing that. You idiots. Um, and they're like, you shouldn't even get to make the choice about the games. And so when she's done counting down, Layton literally goes over to third, grabs his neck and breaks it. Okay. And fourth is like, you kill my dad. And so Layton grabs the, the rifle and loads it as Hawthorne like shoots an arrow at Adina, which I'm like, okay, why are we still trying to kill Adina? Yeah. And this part, I was like, what is going on? So Graham grabs Adina and he's like, let's go. So they start running. They hear gunshots coming after them. And a shot like shoots past them. And Leighton says, not so fast, Miss Walker. (laughs) And she she tells Graham, you were always so disappointing. And they run upstairs, which we know that was stupid. So Graham like jumps in front of Leighton, but the gun doesn't go off. So she looks up and she sees that's because Penn threw her butterfly knife through Layton's back and killed her. But then Penn starts coming after Adina <laughs> and Penn's trying to hit her with the bat. And then Hawthorne's like, no, she's mine. So everyone is trying to kill her. They're like, okay, like we're glad that you did this whole game thing, but like we still all hate you. So Hawthorne says, you killed Esme. And she admits that Esme never killed anyone. Hawthorne's like, I'm the one that killed Margaret. I'm the one that's been doing everything this entire time. She was like, it wasn't Esme's perfume. She was like, Esme always wore my perfume. So she was like, it was my perfume. And she was like, I killed Margaret. I killed Hannah G. I killed Jacqueline. She's like, Esme couldn't, didn't have like the heart to kill them. So I did. And so Hawthorne attacks Adina, but Adina is like able to like to push into her and one of like the arrows or bolts or whatever they call it from the crossbow is able to get like, she gets like lodged up and like through the, her rib cage. And so Hawthorne is like not dead, but she's basically like, Adina's like, don't pull it out or you will die. And so she's just like leaned up against the wall with this like arrow sticking out of her. So at some point Adina like rolled her ankle. So she's limping now. And so she limps down with, and Graham's still fine. So they limp down and he still thinks like, okay, Penn's still going to come after you. (laughs) And um, then they see Penn and she's like, oh, Adina, you almost made it out basically. And Adina says, I thought you didn't want to hurt anyone and just keep Pierce in line. And then Graham's like, keep Pierce in line. Like Pierce is innocent. And Penn's like, he's not innocent. Like, what is wrong with you? So then Pierce sneaks up and he's saying like how much he loves Penn. And then he shoots her. He shoots her. And Adina's able to steal the gun from him and then aims it at Pierce. And Pierce is like, well, she was going to hurt you. 
And he says like, together we would have been perfect. And she's, and he's like, Yale wouldn't have been good enough for you, but you'll love Cambridge. And he's like, you were rough around the edges to start, but like you're perfect now. And you killed Esme and Hawthorne's almost dead. And the finish fixed you. Are you psychotic? You're significantly (laughs) unwell. So she's pointing the gun at him, but then Penn pops back up and she's like, tells Pierce, like you were always a terrible shot. And he gets up and like, he's going to freaking choke her, but she takes the bat and like knocks him down the stairs and knocks him in the knee and then knocks him in the head and then just literally pummels him to death with the bat. Ouch. And she's like, while she's beating on him, she's like basically saying how she's been trapped by his family, like her entire life. So then Graham is like, Oh my God, my brother, like the whole purpose of my life. And he goes over and grabs four. And then as, um, Basically, like, Penn goes for Adina, but Adina, like, just grabs the bat and is like, just stop. And so Penn's like, I have nothing left. And so then she crawls over to Pierce and, like, basically has a meltdown because, like, it's probably, like, relief, but also, like, I have no purpose now. Like, I just killed my boyfriend for, like, all my life. Very very strange emotions. So Adina's (laughs) like, I gotta get the hell up out of here. So (laughs) she starts running out the door on her messed up ankle. And I was like, where is security? Like they had security this entire, where did these people go? No one is responding to the mass murder that's going on. They did mention that when she was walking through the hall after leaving Gray's uh, room, that there was nobody there. But you would think that especially this event, that there would be... Like, you would think these people always have security. Like, obviously, the security probably know, like, hey, these girls are going to murder each other. But, like, it's a little more commotion. I just can't believe that no one's watching cameras. Like, that there's nobody. I'm like, where is security? And, like, you would think that there would be a slight chance that things would go wrong. I mean, there are weapons flying all around. But, so I'm like, where's security? We never (laughs) learn where security is. So she's, like, running out, and she kind of collapses. And then, like, someone grabs her shoulder, and she freaks out, and she sees it's Graham, but, like, she can't even recognize Graham. Like, she just sees, like, Remington. Like, and she's like, I've got to get away from here. And all of a sudden, she hears someone screaming her name, and she looks up, and it's a BMW. It's Charles's car, and it's Tony. And Saint is with her, and they are coming to save her. So Saint didn't die. I almost cried at that point. I, I was so excited. It. I was like, yes. So we go to the epilogue. Tony is cooking breakfast at her house and it's been at Adina's house and it's been three weeks. So we learned that Saint basically had like died from the bullets. And we assume that basically the security must have been too scared to tell the Remingtons that they didn't kill her. Um, so she got away and she was able to find Tony. And it basically had taken Charles 12 hours to tell Tony. And so Tony is pissed at Charles. Um, Adina obviously has severe PTSD. She's constantly checking like the doors, where are the exits, where are like what rooms, like who's in here. Um, and we learned that, that this day is the day of the funerals for the Remington family. And no one wants anything to do with that family now. So no one's going. And the mom is back in town and the feds are also like taking over the Remington estate. Uh, Penn also didn't go to the funeral and Hawthorne is in a coma. So she hasn't died. She's in a coma. And Adina's mom quit her job at Edgewater. So Saint is gone and she, they, she talks to Adina like every day, but she says she'll never come back to America, but she would love for her to come visit in Beijing. (laughs) And Adina is basically refusing to go to therapy at this point. Like she only wants to talk to to Saint. She doesn't want to talk to a therapist. And I'm like, girl, you need therapy. You need therapy. Mm -hmm. But she's going through the mail and she sees a plain envelope with only her name and calligraphy. And she's like, this has to be from the Remington's. And in it, there's like a bunch of news clippings. And so there's like a story about, um, um, 
basically like she thought that Esme's family was the one that had went to the news, but we learned that it's Graham. And so the envelope is a bunch of the clippings about the news and Graham basically turned himself in and he's being charged criminally and civilly. And he was expelled from Yale. All of the other girls' families are like suing the Remingtons and all the rest of the money has been given away. And it says, there's a letter in there and it says to Adina, the unfinished, I was a coward. And basically like he leaves his number for her to call him at some point in time. And he says he tried to get her back in Yale, but obviously he doesn't have any pool anymore. And also he left her a million dollars. Like what? Yeah. And her family was like, what? What are you going to do? And she's like, at this point, I don't even want to go to Yale anymore. Cause she's like, it's going to have conditions and expectations just like the Remingtons, just like El- Edgewater. And she knows that she'll never truly be accepted there. And the end. Little fiend. <laughs> Uh, I was like, this was kind of giving me Saltburn vibes in the beginning. Like, <laughs> it gave me Saltburn when he was like, like the Remington Estate. Yeah. Like, just the rich. And they're like, I want to help the poor people. Like, I was giving me so much Saltburn. But, okay, <laughs> what did you rate this? Uh, I struggled with the rating on this one. <laughs> um, But I'm going to go with 4.5. Okay, I gave it a 4. I enjoyed it. It was just fun. Yeah. It was just like a, a nice, simple read. Very tense. It. Yes. Um, I don't know what I thought it was going to be. I didn't know. I, again, I, I don't read the back. so <laughs> <laughs> I don't read the blurb. So I had no idea what it was going to be about. But um, pleasantly surprised. I enjoyed. I do have to. I want to add this little tidbit in that I am very upset with myself. Oh, no. Because she, Joelle, was at Children's Institute last year, oh. and I had the chance to get a signed copy of her book, and I didn't, and I should have. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I should have, because uh, I really like this book. There will be a next time. <laughs> there will be a next time. Um, but yeah, it was really good. Like, I like it. It's just like, it, it gave salt burn. Like, it's just like crazy rich white people. Like, that's what yeah. it was. Like, Very fast paced too. I I love that it was like yeah, it was a quick kind of throw you in and just like right to it. Yeah, and it's just like I mean, I like oh my gosh, these people are nuts. I'm like I'm good. I'll be poor. I'm so good. okay. Whenever you're right. Okay, so now time for the five star and one star review for this. And for the five star, um, picked at random. Um, Bethany uh, rated it five stars. Eat the rich. Their vicious games is a dark and biting satire that's The Bachelor meets Squid Games, where a group of young women are supposed to fight for a shot at life of at a life of wealth and influence. It's a book about race, class, privilege, misogyny, and women with teeth. I loved it. Woohoo! Go Bethany. <laughs> and I'm gonna look for our one star review. Oh God. I'm always scared for those. <laughs> Which it's only 1%. So. Oh, see? Not a lot of one mm-hmm. stars. Somebody has to hate it. You gotta have I haters. mean, there's 61 one star. But that means ratings. a lot of people have read it. But, yeah. But, yeah, there's 5.7 thousand ratings. So. Hmm. Um, let's see. Again, trying to find one that's not like incredible. Some of are some people are very passionate yeah. about their. Some people write a whole book. 
Lord, that one's like eight paragraphs. Okay. Um, one star. Too bad I can't give it a zero. Bad writing. The plot doesn't make sense. The characters are empty. If it wasn't for the book club, I would have DNF'd page two. I don't understand the reviews. Goodreads, I trusted you, but this is clearly not it. <laughs> Sarah, I don't know what you're talking about, but this was good. Ouch. This was fun. Yeah. Boo. Oh, somebody said 2012 called and wants its book back. What? <laughs> I don't feel like it's... I don't feel like it's 2000. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't had know. fun. I liked it. I did too. <laughs> but you are all entitled to your opinion. Yes. So, you know... That is perfectly fine as well. But, okay. All right. <sighs> okay. Well, I did not do anything. I didn't fan cast or anything. Did you? I didn't either. Okay. No. We suck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get back into it. But, um, but yeah. So, I enjoyed it. Um, our next one is A Court of... Frost and Starlight. Yeah. By Sarah J. Bass, which will be a like simple, quick one. Fingers crossed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, as always, if you are not already, make sure you're following us on TikTok, on Instagram, and on Facebook at Booktrospective. We do have a website, which is just booktrospective.com. Um, so you can like kind of see the schedule there as well. I also post it on Instagram and Facebook. Um, please like, rate, review share all of the things that we ask for every week um and i i think that's all i got that's all i got all right bye, bye.